0: Biblowitz, basketball legend. Um, we got a got a tasty little episode for you today. Um, just some business right out the gate. Um, at the end of this episode, there's going to be a preview for Chapter One of my book, Greg Maxwell's Inferno. Uh, so stick around, check that out. Um, yeah. Let's see where do we where do we leave off with Gus? Gus just had that phone call, the four-way phone call, real spicy, setting up everybody coming down to coming down potentially to Gitmo to play a little basketball. So things are things are moving, things are moving, but uh, Gus still has one thing to take care of: getting clearance. So
1: Definitely some loose ends that I did not tie up after that phone call. For one, I didn't tell my vendors at 8 Inches of Havana that they need to be prepared for an influx of business. Getting alcohol, drugs, and everything else into Cuba is no joke. Second, I basically promised LeBron James, Chris Paul, and Kyrie Irving that I would virtually change the landscape of how Gitmo operates. As a prisoner, I am not sure if I have that type of power. Realistically, I'm going to have to 1. Convince Gitmo that we should keep all the white NBA players as prisoners alongside suspected and confirmed terrorists. 2. Convince Gitmo that all the black basketball players should be allowed to volunteer and take shifts as prison guards. Third. I need to virtually kick every person out of their military housing to accommodate all the NBA players and coaches who are not living in the prison. This will cause mass homelessness within the military population. People out of jobs who need to support their families. I know this is going to end with me turning the military population into drugged up sex workers, but I try to tell myself I won't. But I will. It's too easy and the logistics just make sense. Bunch of pissed off, super fit people who follow orders well? Come on. If you don't want Gus hitting home runs, stop putting the ball over the plate. I'm mulling all this over in a small motel room just at the mouth of 8 inches. I'm balls and sideways folded penis into my paramour. Sophia. I've got too much on my mind to get thick, but that has never stopped me. You fold your penis in half and you have a nice little donut hole. Throw two rock-solid balls under that donut hole and you can argue that you're hitting more spots this way than a conventional penis. Gus fucks for her. I could shoot ropes any day on any public transportation. But fucking is for the ladies. For me, it's just one lady. Sofia. Sofia is my Cubana sueño. She is built like a fucked up grimace and has serious anger issues. But the heart wants what it wants. We do some oink-style pig fucking. Runs fast, no more than two minutes. Nuts are busted. Then we spend the rest of the rented hours screaming at each other. That's our real love language. Little Gus tip. Find a woman who can and will say the absolute meanest things about you that you have ever heard. It'll hurt in the moment, It'll hurt after, but that hurt and embarrassment, that means you're in love. My donut hole rips off a thin rope. Folded in half means the rope is coming right back to old Gus. The rope gets me right in the crevice between my belly roll and pubic bone. Gonna smell that later. Sophia alligator rolls to a plastic tray of fried plantains. She sucks those down quick can't believe you think you could play basketball again. You can't fuck good. You look like you fucking suck, pendejo. She lets out a hot fart. It's like someone took a beanbag chair and made a fart and threw it at your face. Oh my God. I'm playing for my life, Sophia. They will never let you play. Your idea is so fucking stupid, way. We- When LeBron James sees how ugly we all are and how shitty Gimo is, he is going to curb stomp you. And then the terrorists? They will fucking kill you and your family, pendejo. Sophia tilts her head so her lazy eye can meet my gaze. I'm sick of you, fucker. She takes my donut hole and pops it into her mouth out of boredom. In a deep depression, I look out the window at a little Cuban boy. Playing with a busted soccer ball. When did it get so difficult? When did I end up serving so many masters? I had every opportunity to be a little Cuban boy, but I made it difficult on myself. This all comes down to me and others. We all ruined my life. I flick one of Sophia's snaggle teeth and she frees my donut hole. Take me dancing, bitch. Shut the fuck up. I find my underwear under the bed and I slip it over my busted shit. Sophia gets after me. Where are you going, fucker? Mia Moore. I gotta see the CO. Make a deal. Pay a price in flesh. Okay, but if you come back, bring someone else. I'm sick of looking at you, fucker grab all my things and blow out the motel door. I give Sophia one last hot mouth kiss. I hate her, but I need her. Out at the front of the motel, I see the Cuban boy again. He kicks the soccer ball in my direction. I see the ball roll towards me. This is it. I'm a child again. I run towards the ball, forgetting the natural power I have and its implications. I kick the ball full force right into the Cuban boy's face. I turn around quickly and head back towards the tunnel to Gitmo, 100% sure that I just killed a child. Gitmo has a way of saying no. No freedom, no fighting, no fucking, no flirting, no secrets, no magic. It whittles you down into a beaten flesh bag, incapable of dreams. But something I've always said about myself and was the first person to say this is that I'm the rose that grew from the concrete. I'm a dreamer, and Gitmo can't stop me from dreaming. Now, this dream is to not be killed by inmates, so it's not a super exciting dream. But still, a dream. We're getting close to my noon death sentence, so I gotta make this fast. I've got a lot of big asks to make of the staff at Gitmo. There's a saying at Gitmo. You can have what you want. You just need to sign the form. And if you want to live your sentence out like a prince, if you want to walk the island on a red fucking carpet and get sucked off by whatever third-rate USO stars they bring in, you can. Again, just sign your name on the dotted line. What's the form? It's a form not just any form. It's a form that gives the fine folks a gitmo carte blanche to fuck your shit up for 24 hours. Whatever they want to do as long as it doesn't kill you. You're a fucking rag doll. A spithole. You are something anyone with a badge can scrape off the floor and pin to the wall like an animal pelt. I'm walking through the mess hall towards the CEO's office with a pants ripping hard on. Don't know why I'm so hard. Logically, this is going to be extremely painful and humiliating. I will have no control. I will be forced to submit and will be punished if I act out. I can't be bad, because they will hurt me until I'm good. I have no clue why my pants smell like pancake batter. That's what cum smells like. And if cum is inside my pants, it must have come from me. But why would I cum? This is really scary stuff. A full 24 hours where all these strong, pissed-off guys are trying to hurt me? I could do my best to try and make them happy and not mad at me, but I just know these guys will have some really bad stuff in store. By the time I get to the C.O.s, i I'm a sticky mess. I knock on the door. I hear some deeply masculine noises in the office. Door swings open. I'm looking right at the hard body of CO Jablinski. Olive skin. Tons of hair on his arms and neck. I heard him say one time that his mom is from Portugal. And I thought about that for two weeks straight.
2: <laughs> 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 oh
1: geez. Everything runs through him. He has the form. Jesus inmate 69 420 You smell like an indoor pool made a stack of flapjacks And where's your prison uniform? Why the fuck do you have jeans on? I got these jeans in Havana a few weeks back You have to wear them a ton to break them in I couldn't figure out when I had time to put my uniform back on I don't care you idiot Two weeks in the hole Jablinski turns back to his office A couple guards who heard that comment head toward my direction. Wait, no. I'm here to sign the form. Jablinski turns around. No way, 69-420. You couldn't fucking handle it. I come back at him hard. I can handle it. I can handle being handled. You haven't even seen what I'm capable of enjoying. I mean... Enduring. Sir, one of the approaching guards say, we can't deny a prisoner of wanted to sign the form. No, Jablinski says, smiling. No, we can't. I just have one request, I say. Let me tell the boys in the cells. Pretty sure they're going to try and kill me in 20 minutes, and I'd like for that to not happen. When I get back, we can discuss what I need to happen after my 24 hours are up. Jablinski coughs up a mess of shit in his throat and spits. You can't unsign the form. Know that now. I know how forms work, I say. Jablinski folds his face into an upside-down smile. He turns back to his office, rummages through his desk. He comes back with a clipboard, one sheet of paper. The only thing on the paper is a skull and crossbones and a place for yours truly to sign. I would not call this a legal document, but we're in Gitmo. What is legal is a gray area stretched 50 miles wide. I bite a bit of skin off my finger so I can blood sign. It makes a good impression on people when you blood sign stuff. It shows that you're not planning on backing out. If I sign with a pen, you can almost guarantee that I will back out of the deal. I took a fairly clean chunk off my index finger so the blood is destroying the page. 69-420, you fucking idiot. Medic, I call out. I'm becoming faint, but the paper is signed. A guard is able to tie off my finger and the blood slows down just in time for me to call off my own assassination. I make it back down to the mess hall. If I'm going down, I want an audience. I want food present. I grab a spork off of a tray and wrap it against a plastic cup. Um, hello? Hello? I have an announcement to make. Everyone turns towards me. I know we're close to the planned assassination time because everyone traded in their sporks for actual weapons. One inmate has a whip. They were really going to make a meal out of old Gus. I just need 30 seconds, maybe 45. If I'm funny, give me a full minute. I'll I'll find my own button. Everyone nods. I hosted a fairly successful open mic night here a while back. Not everything was a bust. One guy got on Fallon. I was jealous, but once I remembered that I made it happen for him, I felt a lot better. I'm very much in debt to you all. That is clear. The other day, I was looking at my balance sheet and I said, Did this balance sheet get its period? Because all I see is red. No one laughs. Looks like I'm getting 30. Look, I'm in debt. Enough that you are justified to kill me. But let me play for my life. Let me die on the court I love. It is stirring. And also a major lie. Where do I want to die? Ultrazone laser tag in San Diego. Lasers and black lights everywhere. I'm getting sucked off in my team's base. I'm racking up base points because my hand is right next to the button. I have a
2: seizure from too much stimulation. You want to play us? Gus Biblowitz No, I
1: say. Fuck. Should I have done that? Would they have gone for that? That would have been much easier. No. I want to play with LeBron, KD, Kawhi. Each name I say, the
2: laughter grows. (laughs) Gus, you pig bitch. Where are those men? What cell are they assigned to? They are not here. This is not possible.
1: It actually is because I made it possible, you fucking child molester. The NBA season is starting back up. They need a place to play. They were going to play at Disney World. I got them to change their mind. They're coming to Gitmo. Mess Hall erupts in laughter.
2: Gus, you are like young boy, asking not to die so he can see his mother again.
1: Um, no I'm not. What a weird thing to
2: say. Gus, close your eyes. We will kill you, and it will all be better. No,
1: don't! I'm telling you the truth. Gus,
2: you simply cannot do that. You are unable.
1: I signed the form. A hush comes over the hall. That carries some girth. Not a single one of them had the balls to sign the form. CO let me come down here to tell you. I signed the form, and I'm going to get everything I need to make this happen. All the white guys are going to be living in here with you. You think I have money? Look up Gordon Hayward. And I've got one more bet. Sonics win the finals? Wipe my account.
2: If I lose, kill me. You will not die, Gus. Not today. And if your Sonics lose, you will not die either. But your son will. Your grandsons will. Sophia, Mello, anyone you love, they will die and you will have to watch and be responsible.
1: I think about that for a second. Tough stuff. When you weigh it out, fine, I say. I thought I was going to weigh it out. Turns out, I did not do that. Instead, I agreed to the terms as soon as they were presented to me. I may reflect later. I may not. But now, I know what the situation is. I'm not playing for my life. I'm playing for everyone else's. I head back up to the CEO. We knock out negotiations fairly quickly. Honestly... They're so jazzed on fucking my shit up that I got everything I wanted and more. What's more, full key to the city for yours truly. I can walk in and out of prison like I've got a Disneyland California Adventure hybrid pass. And just like a day at Disneyland and California Adventure, I'll be tanned out, on Molly, and looking for some fucking to burn off some churros I ate. The 24 hours of torture went off like a lead balloon. For them, not me. To be clear, I'm not horny for torture. I'm not horny for the CEO. It's so dumb that I have to spell that out. It went bad because, naturally, they got me naked and put a bag over my head. Then they put some wires on my nipples and taint. Side note, at some point, you have to stop playing your hits. Get back in the studio. Create. Feel comfortable in the unknown. At this point, something super weird must have happened with the electricity or something. Because right around the same time I smelled the CEO walk into the room and his Persian-style cologne hit my nose and his rough finger hair touched my thigh, I became really big and hard. The kind of hard where your taint swells up big so it's like you have a back dick. I was wielding front and back dick like Darth Maul. And I was like, guys, stop shocking me so much. And they were like, we haven't shocked you yet. And that got me thinking, oh man, they already started the mind torture and they're going to convince me that I'm forming a crush on the CO. My Darth Maul held firm and after a couple minutes they took the bag off my head. When I looked, it was a bunch of the guards slumped around trying not to look at my Maul meat. For 20 minutes we went back and forth from silent panic to guards having to hold one of their own back from blowing my head off. I knew what was happening. Boys, I said, you're seeing a full hog that you can't compete with. They all nodded. I get it. Sometimes old Gus can only show off a little sawed-off shotgun, a stubby little toe. But there are times, times like in that torture room, where Gus shows some Mondo pipe. You're all worried that once I have free reign of the island... I'm going to find your spouses and give them this. I slap my meat against the palm of my hand. It makes a sound like Babe Ruth's bat. They all wince and nod. Well, here's some tough talk. That's exactly what's going to happen. But I would encourage you all to take this time to get to know me, humanize me, and lessen the pain of reality. So that's what they did. We spent the next 23 hours getting to know one another. I fainted a couple times because the CO wouldn't leave, and I'm gay for the CO, so I kept a rock-solid erection the whole time. Lack of blood to the head? I'm down for the count. Most of the conversation centered around my hog. I had three different Gitmo guards ask me if I'd jelk. I said, of course not. If you are even considering jelking, just give up. You'll never get the numbers in length or width, and it's tough to even consider you a man. In reality, I jelk. Big time. If I didn't jelk, I would have a peach-colored pebble rolling around in my shorts. You have to jelk. Once we hit 24 hours, I was gently escorted out of the torture room. A couple of the guards called me dad as we said our goodbyes. I just had one more thing to take care of. I found the CEO back at his office. After licking my lips slowly, I handed him a piece of paper. This is the number to my human body guy. Send a human body to Adam Silver's Flophouse. Because we're playing
2: basketball.
0: Okay, so here is chapter one of my new book, Greg Maxwell's Inferno. It's available on Amazon, whether it's ebook, uh, audible, or paperback. So pick up a copy right now.
1: Chapter one It is night. I am lying on my temperpedic bed. My wife, Deborah, who is a hateful and nasty person, is asleep next to me. I'm supposed to be asleep, but I am not. I'm a light sleeper. I have kids. Kids like to break stuff when they're young. When they get older, they start pulling on their genitals. They're learning about their bodies and I think it's terrible. We never did that when I was a kid. We played team-based sports. A group of guys coming together 3 nights a week to achieve a common goal. That's living. Kids today, they sit on their gaming chairs in a damp room and pull on their wieners to something they saw on the internet. To them, that's an evening. Whatever. Either way, they are making noise, and being a dad means you have to get up and bang on the doors until the noises stop. Last time I had a REM cycle was season four of Friends. That show would come on, and I'd black out. Full-blown coma. I love friends. Great show. Everybody likes to say they're one of the characters. I'm none of them. They're awful people. No. This night I can't sleep because there are noises outside my window. What exactly? I don't know. My blinds are closed and, you know, I try not to mess with the blinds on my window because I don't know how to close them once I open them. My wife does. The last thing I want to do is allow my wife to help me with something. Then what? I have to say thank you? Get the fuck out of here. I bite the bullet and open the blinds. I look down at my backyard. It's one rabbit and one coyote, about four feet away from my French drain. French drains are underground, but I know where the French drain is because I installed the French drain. My wife wanted some Israeli landscaper to install the French drain. Okay, yeah, I'm just going to let some 6'4 tan guy with an exotic accent do manual labor in my backyard in front of my wife and two sons. Sure, what's next? Christmas is canceled, and we do Hanukkah at his house because he's my dad and is married to my wife, and my sons are now my brothers? No. I installed the French drain. Terrible couple days. I ended up doing it wrong and the Israeli guy had to come out and fix it. But he said I was close. But the rabbit and coyote, they're going back and forth with each other. Nothing physical. It's more like a heated conversation. I tell them to shut up. They look up at me and give me a look like, okay, we'll take it easy. But I know they're I don't care if it's two different, non-human species. I know the mannerisms of two people who want to continue arguing. I close the blinds and try to get a good hamstring stretch in, but yeah, sure enough, they're screaming again. I open the window this time so the rabbit and coyote can hear me real good. My wife is like,
2: Greg, go back
0: to bed. Don't engage with animals. They can't understand you, and you can't understand them. I'm like, you haven't
1: talked to me in four days, and this is what you say to me? Put your goddamn sleep mask back on and roll over. I scream at these two knuckleheads, either do it or don't. I recently got my son to YouTube me some clips from The Wire. There is a guy, black guy, Marlo, who says this on the show. He was referring to his friend murdering or not murdering a crackhead who scratched his car. In the case of the rabbit and coyote, I don't know what it is. I just wanted them to shut up. I've only watched clips of The Wire. Full show is too confusing. It's no NCIS New Orleans. But I would definitely be Marlowe. The coyote looks confused. The rabbit is not confused at all. The rabbit is aware that it is go time. He nods at me, then goes at the coyote. The coyote was not prepared for this direct action. Some people are just talkers. It seems like the coyote is a talker. Gun to my head? I would say that I'm also a talker. I would never admit this in public, but any type of confrontation, healthy or not, is a real fear of mine. I also can't take criticism. But with all that said, I would definitely consider myself a tough guy that you should not mess with. But yeah, the rabbit gets its paws on the coyote. The coyote can't really get a good defense up, and the rabbit manages to work its paws inside the coyote's mouth. So he's got the coyote's jaws in each paw. The rabbit lifts the coyote over his head. This is an insane amount of core strength, and it's clearly testing the rabbit's core. The rabbit is breathing hard. Undisciplined breathing. I want to tell the rabbit that breath control will add reps, but people get weird about workout advice. But, okay. The rabbit has the coyote up over his head by its jaws. Then, I shit you not, he tears the coyote in half. Huge mess. Blood all over my back patio. My wife has all these goddamn wind chimes. She blew our credit cards up for And those are covered in blood. Not gonna get a good chime anymore. There you go again, Deborah. The rabbit is soaked. He's all fired up on his murder, as he should be. His actions have fucked up my night. But if I'm over here criticizing his performance, then I've got a real brain or attitude problem. The rabbit paces around for a bit to catch its breath. The rabbit stops moving. Its little rabbit chest slows its heaving down. The rabbit looks up at me. He stares at me. He raises his paw and points a little paw finger at me. I look at him like, so what? My sprinklers go off. The rabbit runs away. Gone. I head downstairs because I have to deal with this shit before morning. I'm almost sure it would not be good for my kids to see a gruesomely murdered coyote. But I don't know. My youngest son, Ethan, is nine. He's soft. He spends all weekend blowing bubbles and picking flowers for his mother. I think a dead body would be good for him to see. But not this one. This one's a little much. It's insane. This dead body is insane. Too insane. The dead body he needs to see is one he can get a paragraph out of in a college essay. The right dead body makes a reach school. A target school. Don't get mad. It's true. You can't get mad if it's true. My older son Danny is 16. He's on his computer beating his dick and making his room smell like a salami factory. His whole room is beyond damp. It is moist. I have no concept of what he likes or dislikes. I know he loves masturbating. The young man likes to beat his dick. Sometimes I'll take him to the mall and point at things to gauge his reaction to whatever I pointed at. I'll point at people his age and ask if they're his friends. Nothing. I'll point at a store and ask if it's in his top ten of favorite stores. Nothing. A part of me wants to leave the coyote, wake Danny up, and show it to him. I want to watch him experience something. Then I can ask him, hey, this murdered animal, is this good or bad? And if he says, good, okay, that's an issue. If he says, bad, great, my son is a regular guy. If he says, I don't know, or I don't care, it will crush me. I decide to clean up the coyote. I grab four paper towels and a trash bag and I do my best. I know I have Windex, but I can't find it, so I do a dry rub. I go up the stairs and back to my bedroom. I crawl under the covers and fart on my ungrateful wife. I fall asleep.